0: Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our conversations. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like Jesus. Amen.
1: Now snag some peppermint tea in your favorite mug and enjoy the deep waters podcast. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. What do you think? Welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast from Riverhouse Church my name is jace langley and i'm here with the great benjamin olson
0: wow i didn't know i was great that's fun
1: yeah i mean you get the intro i get to introduce you (laughs) because you're so great Um, we are excited for you to join us today uh we have a very special
0: guest that's right yeah this special guest has flown over to us from southeast asia and you might notice throughout this interview that we're about to conduct that we don't refer to the nation that he's from nor do we refer to him by his actual name Mm -hmm. because his situation is sensitive so we're going to keep it intentionally vague he is our good friend from southeast asia and for the purposes of convenience we're going to refer to him as pastor paul Mm -hmm. um
1: yeah yeah and man you guys are in for a treat uh we we're kind of leaving this conversation pretty wrecked and he uh is has a great word for the american church we get to hear part of his incredible story and i hope you are blessed with our interview with pastor paul Mm -hmm. so without
0: further ado here we go
1: very happy that you're here. I think that's it's very um, exciting to have someone from another part of the world that's still a believer, and I just want to honor you. We've got to hear you speak earlier, and and you have so much wisdom, and that's why I wanted to bring you on this podcast.
0: Just to start us off, I would love to hear you share your testimony, if you can, a little bit about yourself and your family and how you came to do the ministry that you do.
2: Thank you very much uh, having me here, and I feel it's great honor and privilege to be part of you all and what all you're doing, and I'm really immensely blessed to see the work here. Uh, let me begin explaining about my childhood, so that that will give you an idea of how a normal child is raised in Southeast Asia, yeah. and my parents, uh, they, my father comes from. Um, traditional Christian background, and my mother comes from other faith. They were married together, and we were seven children in the home. Hmm. With their little resources, with little finance, they were really struggling to raise us. Hmm. Uh, Even to feed us three times a day. And uh, so, kind of like I remember raising in a home, Uh, like we have one meal a day, and then we do not know when that will be, like either in the afternoon or the dinner. And uh, so we were sent to school. I remember many times that I won't be having lunch in the school and just have stomach full of water in the afternoon and then walk to school and come back from the school and this experience kind of like, I don't take it as a negative, I take it as a positive that really, you know, built me up and God has taken me through these experiences. And when I was 15 years old, and my friends used to go to nearby Park where they do some kind of jogging and exercising. So they, they also invite me to be part of that And as a teenager, I loved to go and be with them, and and we used to go, like early morning, like six o'clock, go around the park and see people, how they're doing exercises, and we just want to build some muscles, and things like that, like any other normal teenager. But one day it's happened, like I met a servant of God in that park, and intentionally he has come to me and asked me about my background, Then I said, my father is a Christian and I go to a a so-and-so church and I go to Sunday school and do all those things. Mm -hmm. Then he asked me a strange question. If you die, what will happen to you? I said, I'm a Christian and my father is a Christian. I go to heaven. That's what I answered back to him. Then he said, uh, no, everybody who goes to church is not Christian and he said that wow. you need a salvation experience. I did not understand what it is. Then I said, can you explain to me? Mm-hmm. Then he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, wow. why Jesus has come to this world. And then there's a need that I should respond to, you know that salvation that Jesus is offering by mm-hmm. faith and repent for my sins. Mm-hmm. So that day can I, I said, uh, can I have that salvation experience? He said yes. Right in the middle of that park, I knelt down and he taught me a prayer, a simple prayer saying that, asking the Lord to forgive my sins and come into my heart. And I remember that day, so I never regretted for that decision that I made. Yeah, Mm -hmm. praise God. Ever since that, and you know, there is, I see a lot of changes in me and uh, there was, hunger for god wanted to know more then i just stopped going to my traditional church because i felt a little bit dry there i was needing some more from the lord then i joined a baptist church where you know where i'll be ministered every day and i was growing in the lord and i've excited for that and uh, when i was 17 years old then i was sensing that I need to do something for the Lord, but I do not know what it is. Yeah. And then I spoke to my elders, I'm just saying I want to do something for the Lord, but I do not know. And then one of the elders said that, you have a call of God in your life, and you need to go to Bible school and study,
1: wow.
2: and serve the Lord. Yeah. I took that call as if the, the Lord is telling me, and then, uh, with the help of my friends, somehow I made a way to the Bible school. Yeah. And my church is too small, they can't support me. I don't have money to study in the Bible school. Then, the Bible school, they said, who's going to pay? I said, I don't have anything.
0: Wow.
2: And uh, my principal said that they're going to give me free ship. It means I don't need to pay anything, I can still study.
0: Wow.
2: Then I joined. The Bible school and studied for two years wow. to receive my diploma in theology, and after that, I just want to upgrade myself and I want to do my BTH, and then the question of who's going to sponsor that, and I don't have anyone, so I was trying hard. Then I could not make it, even though I had an opportunities in various seminaries, but. I just was, I was, I do not know what to do. I just, I was hanging on. Then my principal has called me back saying that, um, will you walk here? We're going to give you a walk and uh, you can stay. We'll give you food and you can study with us. You can, you can walk with us. Mm -hmm. Then I said, okay, I prayed because I have nothing to do. (laughs) Then I just want to take up this call. And then I joined the Bible school. And they just put me in the library to take care of the books and, you know, kind of yeah. do the little stuff there. And, but I had a passion to pursue my education. Yeah. Then I joined uh, an extension program with the local Bible school where I can kind of an extension student, stay outside and study, mm-hmm. still do the exams. And, and so they gave me opportunity to do that. I joined the Bible school as an extension student. And during the day, I used to walk. In the nights, I used to study. And along with that, I also had a passion to go and share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Around our Bible school, and I saw uh, many villages, and there is no churches around. And I was sensing the people there need gospel. Then I took a permission from the Bible school uh, to take some of the student as the you know kind of weekend ministry we call it. Mm-hmm. and and every weekend we used to go take students, preach the gospel in the villages. and trying to do a skit on the street, calling people, yeah. "Hey, we're going to do a street skit, come and join. And we when people used to come, yeah. And then during that time, there is no television, you know. Yeah. There is no much gadgets with the people. People have time to come. Yeah. So in the villages, people used to come. So we used mm-hmm. to, you know, perform uh, prodigal son to people. Oh, and yeah. after that, we will just share the gospel, saying that how the Father is waiting for all of us to come to Him. Mm-hmm. And many people came to the Lord through Praise that God. demonstration, oh, wow. to that gospel. And... Uh, After that, I completed my education. Then one of my mentor came up to me and said, you have a pastoral calling in your life, that's what I'm sensing, and uh, you take the students and then share the gospel and come back, and who's going to follow them up? So then he also suggested to pioneer a church. Then I pioneered a church in that villages wow. and but the one family responded and start coming to the church and then so nearly a year only one family wow. the mother and two children used to come and every Saturday I used to get nervous <laughs> whether if that family doesn't come what will happen to me <laughs> wow. and then I decided even nobody comes I'm going to run a service Wow. And, but God was faithful he was sending them and slowly after that because I was very young at the time and people had a difficulty of trusting me I assume and then I saw that people started coming in mm. then the place that we were renting a little place was not sufficient Praise then God. we had to mm-hmm. move out and then again people started coming then we got to move out And we were moving every time as people were coming in because church is growing larger and larger and larger. And uh, so, yes, the Lord has blessed the church. Mm. And now we have over 500 plus members coming and worshiping now. And many people gone out of the church and pioneered many, many churches. And today, like, we become a big network of 64 churches in and and around... Southeast Asia. Oh, that's incredible! Yeah. That's so is it good. okay you want me to continue something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Thank yeah, you yeah. for sharing
1: that. I, that that initial church you founded in that village is the same one you pastored today.
2: Yes. Oh wow. It's a it's a shame church. Uh, it was it's growing. The Lord was blessing and adding souls to to the church, and this church is able to pioneer other churches too. Wow. Yes.
1: I, I think there's a lot of churches here in the states that don't have that ability to multiply like you have, and I'm just hearing about you and the way you mentor other pastors. What like how did that come to be? Like how did that I guess calling come to your life as a pastor to make more pastors? Because I think that's such a beautiful gift. Yes, um,
2: it's kind of like it is like both like an individual having a call from God to serve him. And the church need to recognize and encourage them to do so. The secondly, the eldership of the church, the pastor, whoever is kind of in a leadership, must be able to see people and pray. If there is a call in their life, yeah. if they're sensing a call, they can always invite people, say that, oh, yeah, I sense, it's like my elder sensed a call even though I had a passion. But the elders were saying that, hey, this guy has got a call, send him. Mm. you know." And even though they don't have resources to support me, just release me to go out and do. Mm. And uh, that's what is needed. Yeah. And uh, it's one thing that is too dangerous is getting too organized. Mm. And sometimes getting too organized is, takes you a nerve. Sometimes uh, it is a tendency that we need to become too perfect. And in that process, we can lose out what the Holy Spirit wants to do in the church. Wow. It is beautiful. like allowing individual to recognize the God's presence in their lives and then see that what God wants them to do. Mm-hmm. And if such individuals come to leadership and say, Hey, I sense this. The call of God in my life, then if the leadership of the church can give a necessary training or send them out for a necessary training and release them yeah. and encourage them, maybe initially they can also support them in whatever way that is possible. And that's how I think, not just here in uh, America, anywhere else, churches has got potential to grow yeah. because it's a lot of churches. Jesus never said that I'll build mansions, I'll build this and that. He just said, I will build my church. And church need to recognize that allowing Jesus to build his church. And then, you know, that's the thing that I see. That's so good.
1: Um, both, both Benji and I grew up in churches that didn't have an expression of the Holy Spirit. Very, um, I think more legalistic, uh, focused on the do's and don'ts of Christianity, focused more on sin, and not to say that churches with the Holy Spirit aren't focused on those things as well, but it seems like you've had a lot, you're, it feels like you're really in tune with the Holy Spirit. How did that come up, and what was your first encounter with the Holy Spirit like?
2: Um, I come from a Baptist background, and um, even after starting a church, I was trying to become more organized, trying to run church and more organized. You can call it as a systematic church or yeah, whatever it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was going nice. God is blessing whatever we're doing. But I, was, I sensed that we're getting too organized wow. in that process. And then we are just missing it out some of the pieces. Then God has to confront me and show me that yes, this all beautiful. What all you're doing is beautiful, but it is your way. It's not my way. Mm-hmm. And God had to confront me and show that I just blessed you, even though it's your way. Yeah, that's beautiful. But you got to allow me to do, you know, something that I need to do. In a way, then I just said, okay, I have to take a step back and say. Yes, I'm just doing it, everything in the name of God, mm. the name of mission and ministry. Mm-hmm. But it is like all the time it is me trying hard, want to do this and that. And in doing so, I'm also putting other people in risk, you know, yeah. compelling people to do, mm. you know, because my way, you know, yeah. even like putting up order of services, and I should say so and so should pray, and so and so do this, da da da. So it's like following somebody's order. Then I sense that's becoming like too legalistic. Mm. Then that is dangerous. Yeah. Then it can, the branch can die down on the vein. Mm. Then the Holy Spirit has to show me that it is not my way, mm. it should be God's way. And then ever since that then I was inclining to the Holy Spirit more and more depending on the Holy Spirit for even like like even just before going to preaching I just say Lord it's not me it should be you Yeah. and I depend on you even though I just prayed much earlier but every time I just even for this broadcast I would just say Lord it should be you yeah. Holy Spirit I'll depend on you yeah. you know when you you know start doing this then I think the Lord will show his way yeah. so depending on the Holy Spirit yes so
0: I love what you say about your prayer to just depend on the Holy Spirit and from some of the background that you've shared it sounds like there's been a lot of times where you have had to depend on God to provide for you yes. because you or your family haven't been able to trust on anything else except God. Yes. Um, I'm curious. Could you share a story with us? Maybe one or two stories where the Lord has miraculously provided for you.
2: Yes. Uh, see, like the Bible school that I went, it is the Pentecostal Bible school, and I had this experience of Holy Spirit there in the Bible school. Then trusting God for the needs and how it is all big and trusting God. Like in the Bible school, I just had a, my clothes were not enough, it was just two two to three pairs of dress I had. Mm. I had a friend who lends his clothes to me. And uh, one day I was supposed to go to prayer meeting, the part of my assignment in the Bible school. And I, rec- I recognized I had well, the shirt, only shirt I had was kind of teared. Yeah. Oh, sure. uh, it was torn. And I need to stitch. And I don't have money to take to tailor, And then I need a thread and a needle. And I did not have money to buy. All I was needing is 25 pence to buy a needle and a thread. Even I don't have that. I prayed to God. Lord, I have to go to prayer meeting and I have to stitch my shirt. Help me. Then all of a sudden, one of my friends came, I feel like giving this 50 pence to you. Mm-hmm. Wow. And this guy never did that. I studied with him for two years, he never did that. Wow. And I thought, that is from the Lord. <laughs> and Absolutely. answered to my prayer. Mm-hmm. Then I got that 50 pence and got my needles and thread and got my chocolate and uh, stitched my shirt and went to that that day was a great day for my life god taught me to depend on the lord for every single need that's so good and then when we started the church the first day of the church i told them that we're not going to save the money from church income we're going to spend entire collection of offertory and all the income for that particular month and needs to be met in that particular month and then we should not kind of take it forward to the next month
1: yeah
2: wow that is a big step of faith to do that the reason that god told me to do that is because we don't want to accumulate money so that we depend on that and then that is from that day on till today there is no habit of kind of accumulating money especially the mission money for the next month so even now it has been all these years it is faith journey Mm -hmm. like there will be many needs we just pray to the lord and uh, we just that's what they're saying like no emails, but only knee mails. <laughs> <laughs> we kneel and pray to yeah. the Lord for every need, and uh, that is the legacy of faith that we built in the church. And people all always pray for the needs. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I just give an example of, we were praying for a little land to build the church, and the churches, the people come from the church, come from a very grassroot level people they don't have much resources with them but they're doing a great job of helping church whatever way that is possible but we could not do with our strength even to buy we were praying then remember that I was talking about my mentor he came alongside and his church said that we wanted to help you to buy this land and that is an answer to prayer and then you know a very interesting thing is that just before that could happen we were praying for the land and we do not know where we're going to buy and how things will happen we made a kind of a brick format of brick and a paper saying that you know we will buy this and so many square feet should be there after we purchased it there is no link between when we made that plan and press and when we purchased we were not able to you know kind of match with that yeah but later on when we purchased the bricks that we laid on a paper those square feet and what we purchased was exactly matching wow (laughs) oh my gosh and uh, that was really we were really thinking less, the, the God was in it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then, when we wanted to start building the church, we don't have money. He said, so I was sensing strongly that God wants to do this. Mm-hmm. I told the church, many people were scared, you know, is it possible and all. I said, let's start. With the faith, we started building the church. You know, every day, we do not know where from the cement will come the bricks will come and resources will come but it is to come one day we for the flooring Mm -hmm. we got to buy a tiles and we went to shop to buy then 250 dollars was less then we went and trying to bargain with a guy and say hey we don't have this and the guy said no i'm sorry you got to pay then just i told him Please send all the things that we purchased. And when you delivered the tiles to us, we're going to pay you $250 back. Yeah. And then I told them to send it, came back to church, and then I came that constructive building. And then all of a sudden I was realizing where from this money will come. The natural man in me speaking, saying that, hey, what a foolish you are. Where from this money will come? Yeah. But again, there is, you know, you have that feeling No, like, no, 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 God is going to supply. Mm-hmm. And then I just took a moment to pray, Lord, mm-hmm. supply this need. In another, say, in half an hour's time, I got to pay. I don't have much time. Then I prayed, and then I was just walking out of the church. I saw a elderly man coming with an envelope and said, Pastor, my son wanted to give this to you. He's not even the member of a church. He wants to help. I do not know how much it is. I just prayed and opened. It was $250. Wow! (laughs) Exactly. And- Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And this is how then our trust on the Lord is increasing day by day as he supplies And that is a Christian excitement that we are having. Mm -hmm. That is also fueling us to do more for the Lord uh, as he supplies the needs. Wow. Let us all depend on God for our needs.
1: Yes. Um, Beautiful. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. What I love about that story, I don't know. It's like, honestly, in Boise, Idaho, in our American church, there's... Less moments where we have to trust on God in reality, and I feel like we miss out on seeing Him provide. And I'm I'm just sitting here rattling my brain like, how can I trust Him more with things? And I'm like, what are those things? Because I'm, I mean, it very fortunate to be in the place that we are and have money come in. I don't know. Can you, are you, yeah. can you kind of getting what
0: I'm saying? <clears throat> Yeah, I I think I'll just say there's a lot that your experience of Christianity um, can teach us because in at least uh, affluent parts of the American church, we don't really practice dependency on the Lord in that way. When it comes to our actual finances, it can be so easy for us to depend on our savings accounts and our retirement funds and... Um, ourselves so um, I, I love hearing your stories I'm wondering if you have any other encouragement like that um, for the American church where you see there are things that you learn from God that we need to learn from you
2: yes uh, see I believe like uh, whichever part of the world we are we all have boundaries and limitations depends on whatever amount of finance we have. The problem is like, we're thinking within the box. And we got to see outside of the box. Like I was sharing my experiences, all things, this is all done and achieved. It is beyond our ability and capability. Mm-hmm. And uh, every individual, they all have this kind of, like the box kept. I request everyone to see behind the box. Like someone said, you've got to dream so big so that only God can provide. Mm -hmm. It means that we need to expect from God the great things. And when we expect God to do great things in our lives, in our missions, in our churches, where only God can provide. So our expectations is coming within only our box. Let us think outside of the box what God can do. Not necessarily finance, we also have to see other needs. We all have emotional needs, Mm -hmm. we all have soul needs. Where we are looking for these needs. It's only God can meet these needs, not just financial. Financial is the only one part. Just because my financial needs are met doesn't mean that I'm great. I have other needs. Yeah. No, we have many problems, domestic violence, hatredness,
1: yeah.
2: individualism. Yeah. It's all because we yeah. thought my financial needs are met, I'm great. Wow. What about my soul needs? Mm-hmm. There is no sense of satisfaction. It means there is a need. Yeah. So the answer is for every need, Jesus is the answer. If I'm we can get sure. back to Him, That's He so will meet good. those needs. It's like the story of Rich Man and Lazarus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lazarus' needs were physical needs, maybe financial, food, shelter, clothes, mm-hmm. but that never met. He lived as kind of an outsider roadsider. Yeah. But the rich man has got all the wealth in him. he's got everything yeah. but his spiritual need. Wow. Mm-hmm. He won he, he has everything but lost his soul, wow. lost his salvation.
0: Wow.
2: Then eternity doesn't depend on our f- physical needs, matter yeah. or not. The eternity depends on whether our soul needs, our inner needs, yeah. matter not. Wow. And Lazarus' needs of that spirituality was mm-hmm. met by God. Yeah. He found God, and that's how he entered into eternal life. And whereas the rich man held into eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: Man, you're preaching.
2: That's <laughs> yeah. so good. You taught on that
0: <laughs> yes. very well. That was a beautiful way to speak about yes. that.
2: that parable. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. You yes. are just a deep well of wisdom. Yes. Thank you for being with us yes. today, Pastor yes. Paul. <laughs> um, okay. Can I, I ask a new question? Yeah. Yes. I'm wondering what you are currently hoping for in your ministry, in your region. And if there is a way that we and the listeners of this podcast can be praying for you, for the Lord to move.
2: Yes. Currently, we were involved in the church ministry. And with the faith, we are, want to multiply the churches in the region where there is no churches. Yeah. Even though in this pandemic, we made this, not this pandemic, I should say, that's okay <laughs> okay. <Yeah. That's> okay. <laughs> Even yeah. though during the time of pandemic, many people thought that church will shrink yeah. in Southeast Asia, but church started to grow. No. It's becoming stronger. And uh, we decided to pioneer more churches. And we already like sent three missionaries to go and pioneer churches. They're into villages, non reached places, serving the Lord, And it's our desire that even there is a lot of places need to be reached with the gospel. And we are limited with our resources. If God supplies more, we can reach out and pioneer more churches. Mm -hmm. And we also, it's our desire to build church buildings Mm -hmm. where in the village it will not cost much, but it will be a blessing for the village. Mm -hmm. We believe that every village should have a church so that you know that will become a hope for that village wow. and we also involved in training pastors and which is very important because a trained pastor can do more mm-hmm. and uh, so we have this uh, ministry called training pastors and leaders currently over 500 pastors are enrolled wow. oh my and word. we're trying to train them on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. and uh, so we we have many calls to start same training program in different regions and uh, if you have more resource coming we can able to start more of this training centers where we can train them and keep sending them releasing them into the ministry and uh, we also work with the mercy ministry helping kids, and uh, like currently we have two orphanages and uh, the children, those who are neglected by their parents and where the father is alcoholic, not able to take their children. And we have some children, orphans coming. Uh, no one is there to take care of them, shelter them and give them education. So God has helped us to be part of that and uh, we were able to bring these kids. Currently there are 70 kids uh, there in these two orphanages studying. And we need to trust God for, you know, their you know housing and food and things. Um, we're glad that we were part of River House. River, River House has been great support uh, in this ministry. Yeah and uh, so we could be able to do more uh, even during the times of this pandemic we were able to support pastors because they did not earn anything and support their food and house rent and things like that you know when it comes to southeast asia there's always you see the needs yeah. and uh, but they're all serving the lord diligently but if they have more assistance mm-hmm. resources i think they will do more yeah. yes
0: wonderful thank you yes that gives us a good prayer list for all of our listeners we will love to be partnering with you in prayer thank you very
2: much at least
1: i like seriously am just like overwhelmed with like gratitude for you and your passion for the gospel and planting more churches and discipleship like to have a program with 500 pastors it's like It's really humbling that we're sitting here talking to you right now. I think I'm just very honored and I just honor the work that you're doing. It's really really powerful. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah
0: Yeah, here's a question. I'm thinking about my experience in the Christian Church reminds me of Jesus's words to the Church of Laodicea in the Revelation of John where he says that the church is lukewarm And I think so often there are people who attend churches in the United States, but don't really have a hunger for God. Don't really know what it means to depend on him. Like you say, with the rich man, it's like our needs are met. And sometimes we're even attending church, but our spiritual needs aren't always met. And I think in that environment, evangelism can be difficult um, because the good news of the gospel seems to not penetrate into our hearts in the same way as it sounds like it might in Southeast Asia where you minister. Oh, wow. I'm just talking. I'm curious to hear if you have thoughts about how to do evangelism in a lukewarm context um, and what evangelism looks like in your region that's a lot yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no you mean like how we do evangelism at home or you want yeah. yes. kind of it like, why don't you start, start there that would be good mm-hmm. yes. uh, <clears throat> like earlier we sh- when it comes to missions and evangelism we always have a target audience say that okay this is my, uh, my region where I go and do the evangelism and come but things are changing Mm -hmm. Uh, we may not be able to do that but it's important gospel is simply giving jesus to the person who doesn't have yeah so our target audience instead of looking out maybe like uh you said lukewarm yeah you know spirituality and like but you guys, when I'm talking to you, I see you have passion for the Lord, mm-hmm. and people like you. I, I still believe there is many people, uh, pa- they really have a passion for the Lord, hunger for the Lord, and such people. If you can look around yourself, your family, and your friends, and uh, you know, and people those who listen to you, mm-hmm. maybe if you can make an appointment with them. Maybe have a friendly coffee together, yeah. and maybe just share, you know, your experience of Jesus, how He has transformed you, mm-hmm. and that will be a, a great medium to evangelize them. Mm. Instead of just we can we can't get on the streets with our tracks and saying that okay I'm going to talk about Jesus, and I don't think so that model will work. Yeah. And I believe that your life is a powerful gospel. Wow. If you can leave out for God and let people see, let your friends see, yeah. let your relatives, family see how you leave. And then if they ask you the reason for that, then the mm. door of gospel is open to you. And I think that's how it should work person to person. And that is more healthier and powerful. Yeah. And... Uh, there is definitely, there is someone, just please find out. Yeah. There is someone who will listen to you, who love to listen to you. Yeah. If you don't remember now, please pull out your cell phone and look at your contact list.
1: <laughs> yeah. And
2: see the guy who keep calling you and keep, you know, the first person that you always call and, uh, you know, share your experiences. And maybe he's the guy. God is calling you to share the gospel don't look out what others are not doing hmm. just you are hearing this broadcast yeah. god has chose you to share the word with oh. someone today
1: oh i love that jesus. i my favorite line i think was like your life is a powerful gospel yes. and like uh, just l- being jesus to people in our lives is one just a powerful testimony of like how he's actually transformed us because we're not being fake or lukewarm or any of those things and then i love that you i love what you said about then the gospel door is open to you i think is what you said and i'm like that's just a beautiful moment and i like i just like the language around that
2: yes Uh, yes wow
0: well this is wonderful yes i i think we have exhausted the questions that we had prepared yes Mm -hmm. um is there anything else, maybe a, a last word? You don't have to say anything else, but a last word for our podcast listeners? Yes. Um, just from your wisdom yes. to share.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to thank you guys for having me here, and it's a great honor to be with you. And then all those who are listening this podcast, uh, you know, I just believe that you are blessed. The Lord wants you to hear this so that it's not somewhere in southeast asia and god is here mm. if you allow him to walk in and through your life and he will use you and bless you and he will make you the blessings of channel to many people around you live a life uh, that blesses others thank you
1: bless you pastor paul thank you so much so, so blessed right now. I feel like we're just sitting, I don't know. So we just got to hear from pastor Paul, Mm -hmm. um, from Southeast Asia. And actually when we cut, um, our conversation with him, we got to sit around and listen to him, share some more stories for like 20 more minutes. And I don't know, I'm just kind of beaming to be in his presence. He was, he's such a man of God that trusts God so well. And I don't know, I I'm kind of speechless right now.
0: I think one thought that I'm so inspired by is that he is doing the stuff of Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean by mm-hmm. that? Like true religion is t- to care for the widow and to t- care for the fatherless and to preach the good news of Jesus to those that don't have hope. Yeah, And he's doing all of those things in totally. his region. Um, and he has so much hope. He has so much mm-hmm. dependency, um, and he just looks to the Lord for everything. And I, I just hearing him talk, it's really evident that the kingdom of God is flowing through him. Like he's a conduit mm-hmm. and, and the Lord's love and provision is pouring through him yeah. onto his region because he's so submitted.
1: It's so, so, so good. I think something I want to take from this is just, well, it's something I just need a process because I'm kind of feeling a little, I don't know unsure of what to do here because I've, I've done foreign missions and sometimes it just seems simpler over there. Hmm. Not like, like just where you could just go share the gospel and it's, it lands on, um, listening ears, you know, (laughs) and where I feel like I've gone out to like downtown Boise and, and done that. And it's just harder. And I'm sure he has all those hard stories too. And I probably just need to go out with hope. But, um, Yeah. I want to see the things that are happening in Southeast Asia happen here. And I know it's going to look different, but I think that's something I'm just going to have to take and process a little bit.
0: That's good. I totally agree. And pastor Paul even said at one point that like maybe standing on the street corner and handing out tracks, AKA those little pieces of paper that say Mm -hmm. learn the gospel of Jesus now, where are you going after you die? Like handing those things out isn't, maybe the evangelistic model anymore, but sitting across a coffee table with a person and actually building relationship is, um, it was interesting to hear him say that because I think for our cultural context, that is totally more the case. Um, that is beautiful. Yeah. It's just out of meaningful relationship that evangelism actually happens. But I agree. I'm just gonna have to chew on a lot of things. I felt quite convicted <laughs> we'll do a lot of the things that he's um, said. Yeah, I just I love his
1: dependence on the Lord. That's something I want more of, and probably a scary prayer to pray too. You know, it's like it's like when you ask for patience, and Lord puts you in the longest grocery line in the world, or something. <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, one just to debrief some of what he was talking about. I personally got was it just a little lost when he was talking about the Lazarus and the rich man story? Yes. And I don't know if you could expand on that. Cause I know you have probably more knowledge about that. It, is it, it's a
0: parable it, or is it the Lazarus that we're
1: thinking of? Wow.
0: Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> this is kind of a, uh, It's, we could get into the weeds a lot here and I'm not an expert with it. (laughs) Okay. Um, it's never called a parable in the text. Oh wow. So there is debate just so you know, Okay. to open a can of worms and then just (laughs) leave it there for you. Perfect. There is debate about whether this is a parable or if it's a legitimate story that Mm -hmm. Jesus somehow like prophetically knew. However, when he's talking about it, he's talking about the afterlife. So, um, anyway because of the nature of it it feels like a parable but there are just you know some scholars that okay. say it's not a parable okay however all of that to say this is probably not talking about the lazarus that we know who came out of the tomb in okay. the gospel of john um john chapter 11 lazarus was jesus's friend who died of some illness laid in the tomb for four days came out when jesus told him to after he wept you know that whole bit um Lazarus and the rich man is found in Luke. I want to say chapter 16. Wow. Don't don't, honestly, I could be wrong. I'll quote you on that. Shoot. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Everyone listening to the podcast, (laughs) go look up and see if I'm right or wrong. And you'll quiz Mm -hmm. me there. But um, basically, Jesus tells a story. And I think it's right after the shrewd manager, which is another parable Mm -hmm. that we could get into. And I'm not an expert on some like difficult (laughs) teachings of Jesus are Mm -hmm. right here um, in Luke chapter 16, I think. And essentially what the teaching is, is there's a rich man who walks past a beggar Mm -hmm. and the beggar is named Lazarus. And the important bit there, I think to note is that the one who has no status is the one who gets a name from Jesus. Oh wow. And the one who has all the status mm-hmm. is just referred to by his wealth. Mm-hmm. He like almost doesn't have an identity beyond his wealth, which is fascinating. I think there's probably something that you could flush out of that rather than assuming that there's yeah. a lit, like an actual person named Lazarus, Totally, yeah. but that also could be the case. So anyway, the rich man is passing Lazarus, the beggar every single day. And he never does anything. He never stops for Lazarus to give him food, to bring him in. And Lazarus is always in the same spot, begging. And then, um, fast forward, both of these men pass away. Mm -hmm. And we're told that Lazarus, the beggar, is in the bosom of Abraham, Mm -hmm. which is like a... A Judeo-Christian way to refer to um, the good place in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the rich man is not in the bosom of Abraham. He is somewhere in the grave where he is experiencing like a version of torment. And anyway, this is, it's a difficult teaching because it's where a lot of people get the modern conception of hell mm-hmm. and heaven and the chasm that exists between the okay. two. So, um, I did open a can of worms. didn't You I? really <laughs> opened a can of worms and that, uh, again, I'm not an expert mm-hmm. and we could really go into this. Basically the rich man says to Abraham, like send Lazarus down to give me water because it's hot and I'm parched. Um, so even in the afterlife, the rich man is, like feeling privileged that Lazarus should serve him. Wow. So I think what Jesus is trying to do in this story is flush out like the entitlement of the rich man Mm -hmm. that he's so focused on his status and his wealth. And that that has almost made him numb to the humanity of this beggar who was also created in Mm -hmm. the image of God. Yeah. Um, And pastor Paul's point was really only just to bring up that, the rich man, while he was materially wealthy, was spiritually impoverished. Mm, yes. And Lazarus was just the inverse. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to experience one version of poverty and another version of wealth, then I would want my wealth to be in the spirit yeah. and my poverty to be in the material. Absolutely. Um, I love
1: what he talked about being rich in spiritual health and emotional health and soul health, like over the financial health, you know, and I, I was, I thought that was just such a good way to frame dependence, you know, Mm -hmm. that like, even though here, um, some of us at Riverhouse are, uh, more comfortable, you know, than the average person in Southeast Asia, it's like, there's still a lot of poverty in our lives because of the earth we live on, you know, and, and because of Our humanness and the the fallenness is that uh, yeah. Um, Call that a word. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for explaining that to me because I that was the one little bit that I got lost in. I probably just created more problems
0: to be honest. No,
1: I I, (laughs) no, I think that was good. And I mean, I think I'm glad you brought back to what Pastor
0: Paul had to say.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, do you feel like you want to talk about anything else Um,
0: about his our talk with him? Maybe I'll just tag another little thought there. Yeah. Um, I, in saying all of that, don't want to demonize material wealth either. Oh no, no, um, no. So in case the listener thought that that's what I was doing, I don't think money is necessarily evil and will take mm-hmm. you away from God. Yeah. Though Jesus does say some harsh things like yeah. it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle. And we'll have to wrestle with that. But I don't think money is essentially evil. Yeah. It's the love of money that we're I think. Told. Yeah.
1: Money is an easy idol though, you easy, know, over God. most things, it's an easy thing to put above God. And that's what even pastor Paul was talking about too. Man,
0: that's a good word. Mm. We'll, we'll conclude that comment at, <laughs> or conclude that thought there. Perfect. Um, but no, I think I'm satisfied. I'd that mm-hmm. conversation. So it was beautiful. I'm glad we could have it. I'm glad pastor Paul is in town here to bless our church this weekend. And Um, For you, listener, thank you for tuning in. We're really glad that you could be with us today, and we hope you um, feel blessed and that you join us, if you'd like, at our church service at 4 p.m. in Boise, Idaho.